Morning, church. Fine morning. Anytime you can be in the house of God with brothers and sisters, it's a fine morning. Amen? Amen. Um, before we get into the Word today, um, uh, Pastor Rowley called me. Most of you know that Rowley is my main man overseas, and he's in Israel now. But before he left, um, there's a little community next one up the road from uh, San Fernando where the Bible school is. It's called Naga. And there's a big cement plant there. And they mine some kind of rock out of the mountain. Anyway, they've had a um, bunch of rain there. Uh, just really excessive. And they had a big mudslide. And it came down and about 100 people lost their life. Just covered buried houses and everything. And so I told them we would pray for those families today. So I want to do that before we get started. So join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you are a good God all the time. And stuff happens in life and we don't always understand these things. But we know that you don't change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we lift up the families of this tragedy. Some of them, the whole family was uh, killed. Others, just some of them. Lord, and we pray for the families, the survivors, Lord God, that you would use this traumatic incident in their life to draw them, as you did us, to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior if they don't know you. And those that do own you, Lord, we pray that you would comfort them, all of them, by your Holy Spirit, the Comforter. People can say nice things, but really, the only real comfort that I've ever got from losing a loved one has come from the Spirit of God. And so we thank you, Lord, that your heart is for them and that you will comfort them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that prayer. Let me get my eyes on here so I can see you. Um, how about something a little lighter? We, uh, this young guy was, I don't know, his first day of Sunday school, okay? Never been to church. His parents started going to church, took him to Sunday school. So they're on the way home now. He's in a car with his parents. And his dad asked him how things went. He says, well, he said the teacher was reading from the Bible. She talked about the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea on dry land. She talked about the children of Israel building the temple. She talked about the children of Israel making sacrifices to God. And then he paused. He didn't say anything. So his dad says, well, what is your question? And he waited for a moment. He said, Dad, didn't the grown-ups do anything? Yeah. So we're going to talk about the loving kindness of God today. And what we need to know about that is uh, the Hebrew word is kasid, and it's interchangeable with mercy and loving kindness. So a lot of the scriptures I read is going to say mercy, but I'll just add loving kindness to it because the words are interchangeable. And all of them are the same word, kasid. 
the scriptures that we're going to look at today. And so you know that beforehand. Now, the loving kindness of God is a wonderful thing. And sometimes we take it for granted because he's always pouring out his grace and his mercy and his loving kindness on us on a daily basis. I mean, all kinds of things in life. We could spend the rest of the day just talking about the different things that God has done for us. Not because we're worthy, but just because he loves us. Amen? And he just wants to bless us even more than we allow him to. God's loving kindness is abundant. We're going to start in Psalm 86, verse 15. It says this, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy are loving kindness and truth. That's the word kasid. And it carries the connotation of covenant loyalty, of loving kindness and faithfulness, much like a marriage vow, when we make our marriage vows. It's the same kind of a thing. And it comes from a prime root word, which means to bow the neck. And it was interesting to me this morning Usually when we pray in the Hebrew room over there, uh, we're standing. But this morning we were sitting and we all bowed our heads like we do when we pray a lot. And uh, that was just interesting to me since this is in the message here. But that's what it comes from, that prime uh, root word. And it's sometimes translated loving kindness and sometimes mercy. And the words are just interchangeable. And it means... God's favor, his good deeds, his uh, kindliness to us, his mercy. Uh, the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, it actually says pity. Kasid. God has pity on us. So I want to read a scripture to you from Psalm 117, verse 2. Now, this isn't going to be a, the same as on the screen, because I'm going to read it from the Amplified. So it's going to be a little bit louder, just so you know. Okay. And it's Psalm 117, verse 2. It says, For his mercy and loving kindness are great toward us, and the truth and faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, that's just a good place to start. It sets the tone. God's merciful loving kindness is great towards us. Now, that means that it's, strong towards us, that it prevails towards us, that it's mighty, that it's valiant. I mean, God just wants to bless us more than we allow him to. And we know this is true because it tells us so in his word. And this has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Amen. So God can't lie. So we know that it's true. And we also know that it's true because over and over and over again in your life and in my life, we've experienced the loving kindness of God and the mercy of God on a daily basis. It's just the way it is. Think about it. Every breath you take is by the grace of God. Every time your heart goes thump, it's by the grace of God. And when it stops, it gets even better. Hallelujah. So you just can't lose. So it's great toward us. There's a loving kindness. It's great toward us. There's another good scripture that um, we can look at in Jeremiah 31, 13. Jeremiah 31, 13 says this. No, I'm sorry. 3, verse 3. For the Lord has appeared of old. Now he's speaking to Israel here. 
in this passage, but he's speaking to us today. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. There's that word drawn again. And that might have a, a surprise meaning to some of you. <clears throat> God's loving kindness draws us. It means like to sow, like you would sow seed if you were planting grass. God sowed by his loving kindness the gospel into your life through somebody, whether it was on TV, whether it was through a track, whether somebody was sharing with you. It was sowed, sowed into your life. And you believed it by faith. And he transformed you, translated you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of his only beloved son. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? It's God's loving kindness. You know, to take a sinner like me, and just because I believe his word, transform me. Doesn't mean I had to clean up my act, you know, get everything just right. He just transformed me because I believed the gospel. So he sowed it into our lives by grace. Hallelujah. It also means to develop. And that's the stage that most of us are in. We've been born again and saved by grace. And now he's developing us. What that means is, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, Brother Wayne was talking about sanctification. It's a couple things. It's um, positionally, but it's also an ongoing thing in our life. And, you know, he's sanctifying us. He's changing us. You know, I can keep him pretty busy just myself. And you think about all of us, all around the world, all the Christians that he's working on doing things in our lives. Um, so there's a good scripture in um, Ephesians that you're very familiar with. Let me read it to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is totally by grace, totally by his loving kindness and his mercy. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So before we knew him, he would prepared good works for us to walk in. Some of the good things that you're doing today, he would prepared those before you were even born. Hallelujah. And when it says that we're his workmanship, that means that we're a product of God. We're born again of the Spirit of the Lord. We're his fabric, so to speak. We're made in his image. Hallelujah. So if you're like me, there's some things, maybe something about you that you wish was a little different, that you don't like. Or if you're married, there might be something about your spouse that you wish was just a little different. In my wife's case, there's probably a lot of things that she wishes was different about me. But are your children, these kinds of things. Well, the good news is that you're not finished, amen? And I'm not finished. God is still working on us. That process of sanctification goes on every day, all through our lives as he's developing us, as he's changing us, uh, conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We should be a little more like Jesus when we leave here today because of the word of God. Not because I'm preaching, but because of the Word of God. Because it's quick and powerful. Amen? 
and it transforms us. Hallelujah. So we aren't finished yet. We're a work in progress. So there is a problem. And that problem is that the product, us, don't always cooperate with the manufacturer, God, in every area of our life. We may cooperate in these five areas, but then this one here, we don't cooperate. And what that does, it prolongs the process of conforming to the image of his son, at least in that one area. I used to work, when I lived up north in central Wisconsin, I worked in a paper mill for 3M Company. And they bought base stock paper from just across the street where it was made. And then we were trying to make carbonless paper, this kind you can write through like six copies without any carbon paper. That's what we did there. But we were a brand new company and just starting up and nobody knew nothing about making carbonless paper. So I can remember working 80-hour weeks trying to get that paper to be flat because you can't sell it when it curls up. Amen? Who's going to buy that kind of stuff? You sell it in reams about that thick. Everybody knows that. But it has to be flat. And so when you coat, coat one side, or sometimes we'd coat two sides, it depend on where the sheet was in the, in the scheme of things, you know, it would curl up. And this place had no windows in it, and, and we had to control the humidity. It had to be a certain humidity and all that. And so to try to get that paper flat, it took some doing. I can't remember how long it took, but we worked long hours trying to get it. We finally got it. But it wasn't because anybody knew what they were doing. It was because we had eliminated all the problems one by one. And that's kind of how it is with us um, sometimes. We don't always cooperate with the manufacturer. And therefore, the process of sanctification, at least in an area of our life, can be prolonged. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things that everybody wants to know is, what is God's will for me in life? And that's one of the questions I get asked in my travels all the time. Um, they'll say, Brother Warren, how do I know what God's will is for me? I'll say, do you have a Bible? I'll say, well, yes, of course I got a Bible. I say, well, that's God's will. God's word is his will. This is his uh, book that tells us how to live life. Amen? Amen? Yeah. And so, yeah, but that's his general will. I said, yeah, that's true. But you have to find out which, how do you fit into his general plan. And you do that through prayer, um, meditation, maybe fasting. And it, it takes time sometimes. Sometimes you have to try something. That's how we got into mission work. You know, everybody was telling me that you're called as a missionary, and I didn't feel like I was called in a missionary. I didn't want to go somewhere where it was hot, where there was big bugs and snakes. So guess where he sends me? To the Philippines where it's hot and there's big bugs and snakes. But see, by the time he's, that happens, your heart has been totally changed and, and prepared for that. Um, you know, it's an honor and a joy to serve the Lord. It's not a task, okay? It's a privilege. And so... We find out those things through prayer and in just different circumstances. And God has given each of us gifts. All of you sitting here 
have gifts, more than one, that God has given you. And we need to use those gifts. They're not given to you to make you look good on Sunday morning. They're given to you to bless the body of Christ. So we need to unwrap those gifts um, by God's grace and use them to bless other people. Amen? You know, some people have the gift of mercy. Some people have the gift of giving. You know, God has just blessed them over and abundantly like he has my son. I don't know what he gives to missions, but it's a bunch of money. Bunch of money. But he makes a bunch of money. And God has just blessed him in that, in that way. And so whatever your gift may be, maybe you're called to be a greeter at the door. You know, and... and just whatever it is, it doesn't matter if you're a preacher, an apostle, a greeter at the door. What matters is that you find out what that is through prayer and then do it with your might. Amen? Amen. You don't want to be uh, like somebody else. When I first uh, was saved and, and started studying the Word a lot, I wanted to be like Kenneth Copeland. And I used to tell God that. I want to be just like him. And <laughs> he says, I don't want you to be like him. I says, who do you want me to be like? He says, I want you to be like Warren. I want you to be the best Warren you can be for me. Not like Kenneth Copeland, okay? You can do some things like him, but don't, don't, he's not your model. Jesus is your model, amen? And that's who we should try to be like. So you don't want to compare yourself against somebody else. You know, you want to compare yourself against the Lord Jesus. We all fall short. And so we keep on trucking, you know, and we keep on cooperating with the manufacturer so he can transform us and conform us through his loving kindness and mercy. It's long-suffering. Aren't you glad that it's long-suffering? I'd be in big trouble if it wasn't. Like I said, I can keep him busy myself. Hallelujah. So this loving kindness of God is such a wonderful thing. It's in abundance. It's, we experience it every day. And so we kind of just take it for granted because it's just there. He's doing good things for us. So, you know, every joint supplies. We've all got something to do. So that's what I say to use your gift um, to bless others, whatever it might be. And you, if you need help, you know, finding out what that is, the Holy Spirit is right there. He's the teacher. Just get with him. So you can read the newspaper, and it'll tell you what happened yesterday. Or you can get with the Holy Ghost and find out what's going to happen tomorrow. Amen? I'd rather know what's coming, wouldn't you? Whatever's gone by is gone by. You can't change that. So I asked the Lord, I said, your loving kindness is so wonderful, and all these things, and we experience it every day. And yes, we do take it for granted. So what should our response be to your loving kindness and to your mercy? So he gave me three things to share with you. And that's my assignment today. Now we're going to get into the message. That was just kind of an introduction. So number one, we can, uh, we're going to start in Psalm 33, 18. Psalm 33, verse 18. <clears throat> it says this. It says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and on those who who hope in his mercy, our loving kindness. That's that word, kasid, which could be translated loving kindness there. So his loving kindness gives us hope. 
And hope is very important because hope sets the goal for your faith. Your faith has to have a target. You can't just shotgun it out there and only two BBs hit the target. That's no good. You've got to have a target for your faith, and that's what hope does. It gives you a target. In other words, you come to church hoping that your arm is going to be healed. It's been hurting you all week. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons we see so many th miracles overseas is because they don't have all the facilities and the things like we do here. And they come to church expecting God to do something. The first miracle I ever seen, how many of you know who Dr. Art Vincent is? You know who he is? Yeah. We're always in Haiti with him. We're in this little dirt church, and this guy comes in, he's all bent over. He was probably younger than I am. Well, everybody is pretty much except David, younger than me. So he's bent over like this was years ago, 30 years ago almost. And he'd been that way for 15, 20 years. I can't remember exactly. It was somewhere in between 15 or 20. And he came to church expecting that he could walk upright. So Dr. Art and I laid hands on him. I can't remember what we prayed, but he just straightened up slowly like that and started praising the Lord. How did God do that? I have no idea. He does miracles. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? But this man came to church expecting to be healed, and he was. He was the first one when we had an altar call to jump up and come up there like this here, and he walked back to his seat like this. So, you know, we checked on him before we left, and he was still doing fine. Didn't have any problems. You would think he would with his being bent over for him so many years, but according to him, he didn't have any problems. All right. So his loving kindness gives us hope because we know his track record. He's never failed you. And here's another good scripture in Psalm uh, 47.11. I'm going to find it right here. This Psalm 47, verse 11 says this. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy are in his loving kindness. He takes pleasure in our hope because he knows that that's a target for our faith. Hallelujah. And he knows we're going to get somewhere there. So number one, God's loving kindness causes us to hope. Because he's, his loving kindness, his mercy is new to us every day, it causes us to have hope for today, amen, and for the future. God's got a bright future in us, maybe not for the world around us, but for us, yes. Hallelujah. So that's number one. So let's move on to number two, Psalm 31, 7. Psalm 31, verse 7, says this. I'll be glad and rejoice in your mercy, in your loving kindness. For you have considered my trouble. Any of you ever had trouble? You have known my soul in adversity. Have you ever had adversity? And have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. In other words, he set you in a good stance, a solid stance, in a wide place. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so... Rejoicing 
in his love and kindness. We can do that because we see his track record in the past. We know he's going to uh, help us today. We know he's going to help us in the future. And there's another good scripture in uh, Psalm 59, 16. It says two or three witnesses. Let's look at another witness. Psalm 59, verse 16. says this. <clears throat> but I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy, your loving kindness in the morning. For you have been my defense, my refuge in the day of my trouble. To you, O my strength, I will sing praises. For God is my defense, my God of mercy, our loving kindness. It's just, the Bible is just full of it. Psalm 89, 1 and 2 is another one. Psalm 89, 1 and 2. As I will sing of the mercies, the loving kindness of the Lord forever. With my mouth and I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy or loving kindness shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. So God is faithful. His loving kindness um, causes us to rejoice and even the prophets spoke of that. Um, how many of you know that very small prophet, um, Nehemiah? He's real short. <laughs> Nehemiah 8.10. Yeah, most of you could quote this. And Ezra was uh, the high priest at the time, and Nehemiah was the governor. And he's reading Ezra standing out there reading the law on a little platform to all the people. And the people are crying and sobbing because um, they're realizing how wicked they are. They're not keeping the law. And you can keep it all and, and mess up in one place and it's all over with. Aren't you glad we're not under the law anymore? Amen? We have a new covenant. Here's what it says. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those to whom nothing is prepared. For his day is holy. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now we quote that scripture all the time. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But do we really know what it's saying? Notice it says it's the joy of the Lord. It's not your joy. Okay? There's a big difference between your joy and the joy of the Lord. Your joy is an emotion. It's happy, happy, the car broke down, the water heater just went out, but I'm going to praise the Lord anyway. That's your joy. The joy of the Lord is a fruit of the Spirit of God in your spirit. It's in there all the time. It doesn't matter what you're going through, you can reach down in there and manifest the joy of the Lord. And you all know that our trial of testing or whatever you want to call it, the last nine months we were, we were homeless living with friends by God's grace and mercy, by His love and kindness. We didn't have to rent someplace while we are looking for a home. And that goes on for nine months. Not nine days, not nine weeks, but nine months. That's a long time. Can you imagine me living in your house for nine months? Ooh, that ought to scare you right there. But every day, you know, I spent more time on a computer in those nine months than I have all my life looking for... Houses. I had two or three big companies, Trillo and 
a um, couple other ones sending me stuff automatically, and a local one getting me stuff. I was looking for a house, a home for us. And there's all kinds of them, but I didn't want to pay that kind of money, and then, or else they didn't fit our criteria, what we wanted. And so, how many more homes are we going to have at my age? So I wanted to get one that at least fit our criteria. And so we finally found one. But after that goes on for several months, you know, it's real easy to get discouraged, amen? When you don't see any movement, you could just real easy to get discouraged. And if you dwell in discouragement, then you're going to get depressed. And if you get depressed, then you're going to walk around stepping on your bottom lip. And that doesn't get you anything except a sore lip, amen? But if you reach down in there where the joy of the Lord is and get a hold of it, see, you have to make a choice to do that. And I'd get up every morning and I'd thank God and praise God for our new home, not knowing where it would be if it was in a different state. We even looked in Texas, Illinois. You know, we didn't know where we were going to go, kind of like Abraham, except he took off, not knowing where he was going to go. We could at least stay put. But the joy of the Lord is, is your strength. That's what sustained me in all of that time. And it means that it's your fortified place. It's your stronghold. Hallelujah. It comes from a root word that means to prevail. And that's what allowed us to prevail was the joy of the Lord. We knew his track record, that he loved us. He was merciful to us all through our life. And I've been around a little while. And so I knew he was going to come true. The, the key is staying focused on that hope. Amen? You stay focused on it. Don't ever lose hope because then your faith has no target. If your faith has no target, it's going to be a scattergun effect. It's too general and, and it'll be difficult for you to receive. Amen. So it's, it's our strength, that joy. And he put it in there, and, but it's up to us to manifest it. I have to decide to manifest it every morning even though I saw no movement. But I can tell you that's what sustained me. Manifesting the fruit of joy because God loving kindness will sustain you in times of testing, trial, and hard times. So number one, God's loving kindness causes us to hope. It gives us that target for our faith. Number two, God's loving kindness um, it strengthens us because um, it causes us to rejoice. Because we see all the things he's done for us. He's not doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's going to do them today again. That one song that says, He'll do it again. Amen? Uh, what's the name of that song? Yeah. Do it again? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little slow, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So let's go on to number three. Um, it's found in Psalm 13, 5, 5 and 6. Psalm 13, 5 and 6 says this, But I have trusted... In your mercy are your love and kindness. That's just kind of what we got to. Trust is the third thing. This is my assignment this morning to share with you these three things. Trust. But I have trusted in your mercy, our loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Hallelujah. God does everything in a big way. 
We can trust his loving kindness to us because he's dealt bountifully with He's done so many things for us in the past. You know, and it means plentifully, provided in abundance. Hallelujah. And there's a great scripture in 2 Peter that you're all familiar with. I'm going to read that to you. <clears throat> 2 Peter 1, 2-4, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and in Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which having been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, there they are, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Hallelujah. God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. In other words, God has given us everything to live life His way. Come on, somebody. Yeah, He's given us everything we need. We don't have an excuse to live life His way. We got the manual right here in front of us. And I want to give you some recommendations now, this in, in, in prayer. Some things that I believe that I've learned that have helped me, okay, over the years. And I was notorious for praying the problem to God. I would pray the problem every day and every day and every day and every day. And he knows our problem before we pray it. Amen? He knows everything. And it does say, it's not in your notes, but in... Uh, Isaiah 41, 21, it says, present your case. So what I like to do, this is just me now, my recommendations. What I like to do is present my case once before God. Tell him what my problem is. Lord, we don't have a home. We had to move out of our house. As you know, we need a place to live. And then, and well, what about the scripture that says to ask and keep asking and so on and so forth. Well, I'm getting to that. So, I'll say, then I'll pray that the promise, not the problem. Every problem you're going to have in life has a promise that will deal with it or that's related to it in some way. He wants to know that you know the answer to your problem and pray that. Pray the answer, not the anxiety. Pray the word, not the worry. Pray the promise, not the problem. So I would pray, your word says that you meet all my need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's his word. It can't fail if I believe it. Amen. And so I pray that. I laid out my case, and now I pray the answer to him. And then every morning after that, because he already knows my problem and I've already laid it out before him once, it's just a waste of time for me to keep doing that. So I just pray the... It tells him that you're staying in faith if you pray the promise every time. So I would just pray the promise the next morning, and the next morning, and the next morning for nine months and rejoice and thank him for our new place. So you have to believe you receive it when you pray. We don't have time to go there. I can verify that. But we don't have time for all that. You've got to believe when you, you receive when you pray, not that it's coming. Believe that you receive it now when you pray. The manifestation may come days, weeks, years later. But as you're praying, as you're continuing to pray, you, you believe that you receive it. 
then. That's the way it works. So those are just recommendations. And you've heard me say that before. Pray the promise, not the problem. Pray the answer, not the anxiety. Pray the word and not the worry. Hallelujah. Um, let's go back to Psalm. Psalm 36. <clears throat> Psalm 36, verse 7. says this. How precious is your loving kindness, O God, or your mercy. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. See, he just wants to bless us so much more than we allow him to. They're precious, they're valuable, they're excellent. God's loving kindness is. And we believe his word and we believe his promises are true. God's faithfulness is 100% track record in my life and in your life, if you look back. Um, the timing isn't always what I would like. Most of the time it's not. But he's always faithful. Always faithful. Hallelujah. You know, like the song says, God has never failed me yet. I wish they'd have left the yet out and just said, God never failed me. Because yet, to me, sounds like it's possible that he could fail me at some point down the line. That's just me. But, you know, it's the song. But it's important, the things that we say. Amen? So I wish they'd have said just God never failed me. But anyway, I'm not a songwriter. So. <laughs> Psalm 52, 8 and 9. We're getting there. Psalm 52, 8 and 9. says this. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy or loving kindness of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. God's name is good. Amen. We say that every Sunday. God is good all the time. Hallelujah. So we can flourish trusting in his loving kindness. Hallelujah. Um, it says to wait on your name there, and that's, that's a pregnant word. Let me share that with you. Wait means to bind together, to collect, to expect, to gather together, to look patiently. In other words, when it's talking about waiting there, it's not talking about waiting sitting on your hands. It's talking about waiting like a waitress waiting on you, you at a restaurant where she's busy getting you water and bringing you your food and whatever you need. I'll get the ketchup for you, whatever it is. Amen? That's the kind of waiting it's talking about. So it's talking about waiting in prayer and in faith. Hallelujah. So we wait in prayer, remembering the faithfulness of God to us, binding those things together that he's done for us in our past, in our heart, you know, remembering all those good things that God has done. Hallelujah, that he's never failed you. We wait gathering his promises from his word. You only really need one. And we wait mixing that promise with faith when we pray. It has to be mixed with faith when we pray. And when we pray, we're releasing our faith. And we wait staying in faith through his word as we expect the manifestation of the promise, trusting in his loving kindness, 
in his track record toward us. I mean, you can't name anybody your best friend who's never failed you in some way, in some point in life. But God will never fail you. The thing is, we have to do things God's way. If we do it God's way, we will get God's results every time. If we don't do it God's way, we will get, you know, I've done it both ways. And when I do it Warren's way, I get Warren's results aren't near as good as God's results. Way short. But when you do it God's way, you get God's results. So number one, God's loving kindness causes us to hope because of all the things he's done for us. So we have hope for today, hope for the future. It's a target for our faith, believing for whatever it is that we need. God's loving kindness causes us to rejoice because of all the good things he's done for us. And we know that he's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did it then, he's going to do it again, like the song says. God's loving kindness causes us to trust in him more and more because we just see this track record of never failing us. Hallelujah. So those three things, hope, rejoice, and trust, his loving kindness causes us to do all those things. And I want to close with the scripture in Psalms as well. Psalm 63, 1 to 5. Uh, Psalm 63, 1 to 5. This is a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah, okay, running for his life. Okay, this wasn't just because he didn't have a place to live. He didn't. He was living in caves and all that. But listen, look at what he says. So things weren't ideal. He wasn't sitting on the throne, okay? He says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Nothing has changed. We're still looking for him in the sanctuary to see his power and glory today manifest. Hallelujah. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Whoa. Because your loving kindness is better than life. We sang that this morning. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.